edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be discussing my fantasy football bust picks for the 2023 fantasy football season. Players that I think are going highly, that are going to be underperforming in this upcoming year for whatever reason, that are overhyped by most fantasy managers and experts. I've got five big bust picks on the show. I'll elaborate on my reasoning for all of them in just a few minutes. And of course, it's also, given that it is summertime, time for the start of the third annual set of 10 recorded bold takes. I was actually planning on starting that last week, forgot to begin it. So this week, there's going to be two of them, two recorded bold takes where I keep the timestamps of the show in a document. And at the end of the year, play all of them back, all 10 of them live on the show to see how I did. This has always been fun. These takes are meant to be really, really out there. As always, I always try to go for ones that are very unlikely to happen, at least in ranking purposes. I'll project guys to go finish way higher than they are ranked by most experts. But these are also takes I believe in. And so they're going to be bold for sure. And that's why they're called bold takes anyway. But Hoping to get a few of these right, like I always hope for, because these are my biggest bold takes in the upcoming year. And I like recording them. I like going back to that because then, I mean, if they're wrong, I can see what I did wrong, do better the next year. But when they're right, it's also so much fun to victory lap the take and sound really, really correct back in June, July, and August about these takes several months in advance. So thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second and goal fantasy at gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions. Let's get into it. Two bold takes for half PBR leagues. It's time for the third annual bold take bonanza over the next nine weeks. I guess it's going to be. But once again, we are back for bold takes. And this is my first one out of 10 this offseason heading into the 2023 fantasy year. Both of these I actually talked about on the last week's episode, the sleepers episode. I'll have many other names come up too as the summer progresses. But my first bold take is that Sam Howell will be a top 18 fantasy quarterback next year in fantasy football, single QB, standard scoring, six point per passing touchdown leagues. He's currently the fantasy pros QB 28. And this is laughably low, laughably low. Some of the names that Sam Howell sits behind, such as Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones, CJ Stroud, even a guy like Kenny Pickett, it's just absurd. It doesn't make any sense because there's objectively no reason to consider him this low. Let's start with the prospect himself. Obviously, the knock on Sam Howell is that he fell to the fifth round. He was picked early in the fifth round by the Washington Commanders. But this was a surprise to many in the NFL, and we started seeing many reports as soon as he was drafted that... This guy could have gone in the first or second round. And even before he was drafted, he could have gone in the second round. It was a big steal for the commanders to get him all the way in the fifth. It was not the spot that he should have fallen to. But Sam Howell is now also surrounded in a great situation. Well, obviously, we don't have much sample size for him. We have one game where he came in at the end of last year, but it was a good game. He really only made one mistake, throwing a big pick in the back of the end zone. The commanders beat the Cowboys by 20. He has a ton of weapons, made a ton of good throws, ran for a touchdown, showed a lot of that rushing base that is so key for fantasy points in fantasy football, especially coming from that quarterback position. So Sam Howell coming in next year is, for now, the starting quarterback. 
surrounded in a great spot with an offensive line that is improving. It's definitely the weakest spot of the commanders and on offense, but they added players such as Andrew Wiley in the offseason. It's getting better. But at wide receiver, they've got so many weapons. Terry McLaurin, of course, has established himself as a true stud in this league. Jahan Dotson turning it up last year at the end of the year. The first round pick was performing at new levels. He's also going to be a stud. And Curtis Samuel is a fantastic wide receiver three at running back. Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson will certainly do the job for you as well. But Sam Howell has all the tools to succeed a good arm, good decision-making. He threw a really, really nice deep ball in college and in his one game in the NFL and has that rushing baseline. Like I mentioned, if he can run for just a few hundred yards and a few touchdowns each year, that helps those fantasy weeks that helps reduce the floor that the fantasy player, these fantasy players have. It helps give Sam Howell a solid floor for fantasy football next year. Or I, I, when I say reduce the floor, I actually mean raise the floor, reduce the chances for horrendous games. And Sam Howell at QB 28 just doesn't make any sense. I don't see any reason why he won't be a QB two next year. I feel like for sure he's going to end up in that top 24 range. And I do believe he will be a top 18 QB as well with potential for top 12 upside. So my second bold take after that one, also a guy I talked about last week, Jalen Hyatt will be a top 50 fantasy wide receiver next year in half PPR leagues, which all of these takes are going to be for half PPR leagues. He's currently the fantasy pros wide receiver 80, and it doesn't make sense. The Giants traded up for this guy this year early in the third round. And you all know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, how much I like these rookie wide receivers as sleepers for the most part. But Jalen Hyatt is going to be one of the best heading into this year. That early third round pick, many thought he could go in the second. He was a speedy player at Tennessee great on vertical routes obviously the one knock on him is that he doesn't have a super diverse route tree but the Giants in an offense with Brian Dable that values the diverse route tree values guys that can get open and run crisp routes underneath Jalen Hyatt they have confidence that he will fit in there right away. And the Giants have really, really no challenge at receiver for Jalen Hyatt to eventually rise up if he is a good player to become the wide receiver one in this offense. There's Darius Slayton. There's Wandale Robinson. There's guys like Jamison Crowder and Sterling Shepard. There's just a bunch of mediocre players. But Daniel Jones performed really, really well in this offense last year, even with mediocre wide receivers. I expect him to take another step forward with Jalen Hyatt this year, and that eventually Jalen Hyatt has a really good chance to become the wide receiver one in this Giants offense before the year ends. We know Daniel Jones can throw a great deep ball as well. Hyatt is awesome in the vertical game. He's going to have many big plays. I view him as Christian Watson 2.0. Even if he comes in a little raw, doesn't start off the year super well, he's going to come in, score a lot of touchdowns late in the season. So keep this guy around on your roster, on your taxi score wherever you can keep him last spot on your bench because Jalen Hyatt is going to be worth the pick he's going to rise up and be a top 50 fantasy wide receiver next year there's just so little competition it doesn't make sense to leave a guy drafted this highly valued this highly in terms of draft capital left so low on draft boards when he could be the wide receiver one on a good NFL team it's completely illogical Jalen Hyatt's floor is higher than the wide receiver 80 and his ceiling could be a wide receiver three or wide receiver two this year in fantasy football. That's how much I believe in him. I think he's going to soar. I think he's going to be a screaming value, maybe the best of the year in fantasy drafts. And you should take him in every fantasy football last round of your drafts that you have and pick him up in free agency if he doesn't get drafted at all, which given his position here in these rankings is definitely a distinct possibility. So those are my two bold takes for this week. We'll have eight more coming in hot for the rest of the offseason. But let's talk busts. First, at quarterback, 
I always pick a quarterback bust that's ranked in the top five or that doesn't really have as much rushing upside. And it's not because I don't dislike it's it, I don't like the player. It's just because there's so many guys behind him usually that could have the potential to leap above. And for me, that guy with the ceiling around his QB five draft position is Joe Burrow. To me, Joe Burrow's ceiling as a quarterback is around QB four in fantasy because he's a prolific thrower and has tons of great receivers in the Cincinnati offense. But with guys like Patrick Mahomes, who is, of course, otherworldly, and then Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson ranked ahead of him, those are guys that have rushing upside that Burrow just doesn't. An ability for big games consistently that Burrow will not have. So that's what scares me about taking Burrow at QB five because it doesn't feel like he has the potential to do much better than QB five, but he could do worse because there's guys behind him like Justin Fields at quarterback six who have that otherworldly rushing ability. Trevor Lawrence at QB eight is an otherworldly, but he does have a really, really high rushing floor. A guy like Justin Herbert could also put up a Joe Burrow-esque season. Justin Herbert also has plenty of receivers and got another one in Quentin Johnston over to LA. That's going to be a fantastic offense there. Even a guy like Deshaun Watson at QB 10, we've seen him put up prolific rushing numbers in the past. It's scary to draft Joe Burrow at QB five because it easily could be a scenario where he drops to the QB eight or nine in fantasy football. And I don't see a scenario where he really exceeds his draft position that highly. There's always a guy that fantasy managers and fantasy experts rank too high for the reason of having a safe floor, but forget that a guy like Joe Burrow may not have that high of a ceiling when there are just rushing fiends sitting ahead of him. At RB, my first guy here is Tony Pollard at the RB9. And yes, I acknowledge that Tony Pollard was put up, putting up borderline RB1 numbers last year. It's certainly true. It happened. It happened, though, with Ezekiel Elliott, and Ezekiel Elliott is now gone, and Tony Pollard is now the focal point of this offense, which is what Tony Pollard truthers have wanted for so long. But if there's even a small reason why Tony Pollard hasn't been a workhorse RB throughout his entire career, which is mainly because of the lack of a workhorse frame, then I think it's safe to say that you should fade him at this spot. There are so many guys behind him who are going to pick up three down roles. Ramondre Stevenson at RB10 is one. Brees Hall at RB11. Even coming off of an injury, I would take Brees Hall over Tony Pollard in a heartbeat because Brees Hall in his rookie year already stepped into a workhorse role with the Jets, was running for big gains, getting big explosive plays, being a true three down back. Same with a guy like Najee Harris. Even a guy like Travis Etienne at RB13. All of those guys for me should go ahead of Tony Pollard, even though Tony Pollard has put up RB1 numbers. He put up RB1 numbers when he was splitting time and staying fresh with another guy. We know how much the Cowboys run their RBs into the ground. At the cost of Tony Pollard getting increased touches is going to be decreased efficiency. I don't see a world where he's going to exceed RB9. He's not going to jump into a tier of a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb or a Josh Jacobs. He's going to stay where he is at best, but at worst... He could falter in his role. He might not be as efficient. I look at the guys around Tony Pollard, and I see a guy in Ramondre Stevenson or Brees Hall or Najee Harris, especially those first two guys, as being more talented as running backs overall, and they're in just as good situations. It doesn't make sense for me to spend first-round draft capital on Tony Pollard. It just doesn't. Not even an early second-round pick. It's too high. I'm avoiding him for redraft. My other guy I'm avoiding, I'm not avoiding him as strongly, but Ken Kenneth Walker at RB15, not so fond about. And this isn't because I don't believe in Kenneth Walker's talent. In fact, I think he's probably 
maybe even more talented than a guy like Najee Harris as a runner. At least, actually, I shouldn't say more talented, I should say, because Najee Harris has ran with a putrid offensive line. But consider, or considering the situations, I should say, Kenneth Walker is a guy who can be much more productive than Najee Harris, considering the situations that they're in. Because Najee does run behind a putrid offensive line with a putrid QB. We know he's a great running back overall. But the point being, Kenneth Walker is a really, really talented player. Came into the league took over for Rashad Penny eventually and dominated to end last year. But now with Zach Charbonnet in the second round pick with the Seahawks, this RB cycle in Seattle continues. And this is what always happens, whether it's been Rashad Penny the first time around or Chris Carson or Rashad Penny the second time around or Kenneth Walker. Now Zach Charbonnet, Pete Carroll will move from one RB to the next very, very quickly. His loyalties will stay with an RB for a while like Chris Carson. But when there's an injury, to either to Carson or to Penny and a new guy like Carson or Penny or Walker or now potentially Charbonnet comes in. The loyalties can shift fast as we saw last year. And Pete Carroll will give the hot hand the huge workload. And we know Zach Charbonnet coming out of UCLA was a highly touted running back prospect. This isn't a knock against Kenneth Walker's talent, but it scares me because if he gets injured, there's a scenario when he comes back and doesn't see nearly as much playing time as we'd like. Or Zach Charbonnet shows out in training camp and suddenly he's the new Pete Carroll favorite. He's the guy that got draft capital spent on him more recently. The point being, these Seahawks running backs don't usually survive in the workhorse role that long. The one upside for Kenneth Walker is that I could see a situation where Zach Charbonnet doesn't get much work his rookie year and Kenneth Kenneth Walker still stays as an RB1. So there is the upside there, but I think more likely than not, he settles into a committee, he gets inconsistent work, and could fall into a back-end RB2 spot. And that's why I think he's a bit of a bust next year. Not something crazy. He's not an avoid at all costs like Tony Pollard for me, but he's a guy who I think is more likely to underperform at ADP. Last couple guys here. Wide receiver DK Metcalf. He's the wide receiver 15. <laughs> He's been on these bust lists for years, guys. I don't know what to tell you. DK Metcalf is always, always overranked, and he never performs up to that draft position. He's never going to be a solid wide receiver, too, consistently for fantasy. His situation only got worse. The Seahawks just added Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round of the draft. How can we be ranking DK Metcalf at the same spots that he was ranked in 2022? It doesn't make any sense. It's always a guy like Tyler Lockett, who's sitting way, way down at the wide receiver 26, who steps up and performs just as well or better than DK Metcalf in fantasy i've never liked tyler lockett much for fantasy but take a chance on him instead because he has just as good of odds of dk metcalf as finishing at that wide receiver 15 spot and jackson smith and jigba at the wide receiver 41 is an immensely talented product dk metcalf is just not going to see consistent targets game in and game out or at least consistent targets to the point where he is being worked to the level of being a wide receiver one in fantasy i don't see any world where dk metcalf finishes top 10 in fantasy football next year it's not going to happen when you're taking a guy at wide receiver 15, you want them to have top 10 upside. DK Metcalf doesn't have it. The other guys around him, Devontae Smith, he definitely has it. He showed it last year. Amari Cooper has it. He's the wide receiver one in an offense with Deshaun Watson. Keenan Allen, his high target volume even could mean that he soars up to the wide receiver 10. And keep in mind, Keenan Allen is one of the safest picks out there because of his target volume. His floor is so high. And yet even Keenan Allen probably has top 10 upside. Debo Samuel, sure. DJ Moore, definitely. Terry McLaurin, sure. Calvin Ridley, even at wide receiver 21 sure he does dk metcalf just doesn't there's just not enough room in this offense for him even with a good qb at geno smith to be a clear wide receiver one there's plenty of room for him to be productive but not to the levels of draft being making it worth it to draft him at wide receiver 15 especially considering the risk involved 
Finally, at tight end, this is a new guy who has been on, not really been on any of these lists for me, but after having given it some thought, I'm not really in on Mark Andrews as the tight end two next year. I'm just not. I, I It's hard to say that a guy like TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle should be ranked ahead of him. I think both of those guys are going to be very, very close to Mark Andrews, but I think after Travis Kelsey, there's a bigger drop off than usual toward that tight end two spot. And not that Mark Andrews is bad by any means. He is one of the best tight ends in the league as he has shown. But Lamar Jackson has wide receiver weapons like he's never had before. And the problem is they're all potentially going to be taking targets away from the target area where Mark Andrews functions best in that short to intermediate range. The main guy there is Zay Flowers, their first round draft pick out of Boston College. He is a yards after catch machine. And that seems like a guy who, when he's quick and open in space consistently on slant routes or dig routes, will be heavily targeted by Lamar Jackson. Rashad Bateman, same way. He has abilities to take it to the house with his speed. Great on slant routes as well. Odell Beckham Jr., of course, functions as more of a downfield threat. But again, given how he's aged, over these last few years, which I mean, I guess every NFL player is aged over these last few years. He's definitely settling less into that deep ball highlight reel role and more of an intermediate role. It scares me that all three of these guys can operate in the same plane as Mark Andrews, especially given that Lamar Jackson has never passed the ball at a prolific rate because of his rushing ability and because of the Ravens' tendency to hand the ball off more than almost any other team. Mark Andrews' target numbers will probably be down lower than they have been in the last few years. He will still be a top five tight end. I still don't doubt that, but he doesn't have tight end one upside this year, and he definitely could be jumped by a few of the guys behind him, and I think there's going to be a big drop between him and Travis Kelsey to the point where Mark Andrews really doesn't feel like as much of a positional advantage as he usually does. So I won't be taking him at ADP. I'll only be taking him if he slips pretty far in drafts. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for tuning in as always. Hope you enjoyed. This was a spicy one. Two bold takes, five bust picks. We got more to come as we preview these fantasy drafts over the next couple of months. It's been a lot of fun being back on the mic, so thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you subscribing, reviewing, following the show, as always. Be sure to follow on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second goal fantasy at gmail.com is where you can send those fantasy questions. Thank you all for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.